We are we are live, and this time, Ryan, I'm not going to leave the video feed on me or on you the entire time. Is that what I did? Yes, I left it on you the entire time. Uh, so everyone who is watching this after the fact, or if you already jumped in live because you are sitting on my YouTube page waiting in, in anticipation, thanks for tuning in. Um, this is basically part of my podcast called the Robert L. White Show. It's just a podcast for my website and uh, my sort of philosophy that I like to talk about. I talk a lot about epistemology, and obviously miracles is a great sort of case study for epistemology. And I have with me Ryan Price here, who he is someone that came on um, and I interviewed with as part of a plan series called Robert Interviews an Atheist. So Ryan was my first guinea pig, and I think we had a pretty good discussion. Um, uh, what do you think, Ryan? Yeah, it was pleasant. I enjoy talking to you and not having an echo chamber. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it wasn't an echo chamber, and we actually we weren't really two ships passing in the night either. Like we actually figured out where some dis disagreements are and and whatnot. It it was a fruitful discussion, I think. Yeah. So um, yeah, Ryan, you're in Denver, right? Correct. Correct. Right. And uh, you you are a dog walker by uh, trade or dog no dog keeper. Uh, I take the, I'll say dog caretaker. Caretaker. Okay, I like it. Do do the, does that include walking? Yes. Well, okay, cool. That is definitely a popular profession here in Brooklyn as well. You'll see see people walking out with like seven dogs um, all together. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, and you're also a musician. And uh, we were before the stream started, we were talking a little bit about your projects and I will be sure to include a YouTube link um, to your stuff. I've listened to some of it before and liked it. So definitely recommend Ryan's stuff. Um, so yeah, we are talking about miracles. This is something that came up in our chats before, not, not in, I don't think it really came up in the chat, the video chat we did before, but we've touched on it a little bit, but never really have done a deep dive. Um, and uh, we both express interest. And so I thought this was a good time to do it. And uh, you a good person to, to talk about, uh, uh, talk about it with. So kind of what I'm planning for this discussion for the listener, um, is basically we're going to, I, I this is miracles has been basically somewhat of a research project for me for the past year or two. So I'm going to just talk about how I got to that. And then Ryan has um, some ideas and some kind of uh, objections. He, he says he wants to bring up to sort of different types of miracles and ideas of miracles. And then what I'd like to do is probably at that point is kind of bring um, an example of some what I think are compelling miracle cases and an overall very quick case for miracles, you could say, um, more just to get it out there on the table rather than give a 20 minute presentation on miracles or something like that. But um, with that said, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. Um, I, I think it's interesting, this topic in particular for me, because one of my early blog posts was, uh, I, I did a post called The Darkness of Doubt, which was all about dealing with severe, severe intellectual doubt, starting as a Christian and what that was like. And then I wrote a follow-up post later called uh, "Why I Why I Believe," and at the end of the post, 
I put as sort of a caveat, I said, one thing I'd like to look into more is supernatural claims and miracles, because if the sort of power in super, the supernatural power that I think is in Christianity, you can easily find that in other religions. And if it just happens outside of religions, period, then that does a real blow to a case for Christianity, I think, uh, because then it just becomes this intellectual game of arguments for God. And I think it's anemic at that point. Like, I don't think in my post, I say that I would only, I think I'm only a Christian because of these kind of two pillars of faith. One is the intellectual arguments for it. And then one is actually witnessing and experiencing and then knowing the wider testimony of spiritual power there is, including miraculous healings and stuff like that. So anyway, it was funny to look back at that blog post from like four years ago about how I wanted to look into that more. And now uh, I have a lot and obviously it's an endless study and I do want to keep studying it. But what I like about it is it's so tangible. It's something like so many intellectual arguments for God are hard to understand, seem kind of obscure and even if you agree the premises go through to the conclusion it's like i still don't feel like there's a god <laughs> even if you agree with the argument you know it can just feel distant sort of so that's what i like about miracles is it's visceral um and immediate um and so yeah i mean just uh, I, I made a few notes to kind of go through here and what i really feel like i was open to there not being that great of evidence for miracles. I, I, I What I thought is I believed that they happen, but I also thought it might be that they are kind of shadowy and you can never really pin them down. And it was always sort of hearsay, some more credible than other others, but um, it just never was very convincing. And so only the people who already kind of believed in them would believe. Um, and I think that's what most people start out thinking they would be like. And I felt like outside of that, I still had enough reasons to believe in Christianity. So I felt comfortable researching, feeling open-minded, feeling like um, I was okay with there not being really compelling evidence for miracles. Um, and so this is actually a, one of my epistemology episodes I'm going to do soon that I think is really key is it's going to be called uh, knowledge bracketing. And I, I think one of the most important things to do when looking into, when investigating anything is to make sure you're looking at it at distinct stages that are separated from the others until, until the end when you put it all together. But in other words, like when talking about the resurrection of Jesus, for instance, almost all scholars agree that, that the disciples had visions of what they thought was Jesus. And it's so important to keep that separate than is Jesus the son of God? Because those are two separate things. Like the historians are skeptics that think that the disciples felt like they saw a vision. They don't believe the vision was real, but they, they, they think historically the disciples experienced this. They thought they experienced something. So I just, it, this, I think miracles is one of the worst topics for things getting conflated because it, it, because so much seems to be, um, 
well, it's just easy to mix it all together that it, this event happened and then what are the implications of this, this event? So I really want to try hard in my own investigation to like what seems to have happened in this case, first of all, re regardless of what our explanation is. And uh, my goal is always to be as like honest about the data and say what seems to have happened and then completely separate that out from what we think actually happened uh, or what the explanation is, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just want to stress that like, this is true for all the stuff I do is I, I want to bring more clarity about the world to people. I want Christians to know more about the humanness of the Bible. And I want skeptics to know about the, what I think is the copious credible data around miracles. So I just, even if the skeptic thinks they can still reject it ultimately, I want them to know what is out there. In fact, I love this quote. I will go ahead and uh, give it now. There's this great podcast called Hinge. Uh, it's not about the dating app, um, just FYI, but it's called uh, Hinge Podcast. And uh, it's a Christian and an atheist co-host like Ryan and I here. And um, they, it's only eight or 10 episodes long and they take different topics and interview experts and then talk. And they interview top people uh, in the field. It's really impressive, like scholars I know of and stuff like that. And at the beginning of the miracles episode, or in the preview for it, um, uh, the atheist Corey Markham says, um, this was, uh, quote, the biggest challenge to my atheism so far, these stories fly in the face of dismiss of the dismissive attitude that most atheists have. And end quote. So that that's, that's what I want to get atheists to see is that sort of data. And then they can reject it if they want to. And I really do feel like it's the same thing as skeptics who want a Christian to read a Bart Ehrman book and know about the development of the canon and how messy a lot of that was and potential errors and contradictions in the Bible. Um, and I get it. It's it's actual data that's out there. And I think, Ryan, like you would agree with me, um, you and I both want to know what the data is, right? And we want others to know what the actual data is. Yeah, I want to believe what's true. Right, right. And so, and I, I think what I tried to do, and this is maybe part of kind of the knowledge bracketing or just having more modest um, goals is, is simply get some of this out there, no matter, like try to make the claim as small as possible. And then you can step forward from there, basically, um, with any of this stuff. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, the, I looked into this a few different ways. One of the biggest is a book by Craig Keener, who is a scholar with a PhD from Duke, a very respected um, historian, New Testament historian. And he ended up writing the modern day book on miracles. It's over a thousand pages long, long with an insane amount of footnotes. He footnotes more than anyone I've ever seen. Uh, it's maddening at times, uh, but it is just the book on miracles, um, basically a survey of all the claims worldwide. In fact, from statistics, we know that it's something like, um, I think at bare minimum, 
hundreds of millions of people claim to be eyewitness to a miraculous healing. Um, so it, it's just a, a huge survey of the data and some of it is much stronger than others. His goal wasn't to like prove miracles. His main goal was to show what are people claiming. Um, and then some of it, he, he has better sources, better data, some of it not, but it, it's a fascinating book. I definitely recommend it. Um, and then just various other ways I've tried to learn more about uh, this topic and I still have a lot to go. I mean, the the number one thing has been slowly reading through that entire Keener book, to be honest, and then checking a few of those sources and going a little deeper. Um, so yeah, for me, it felt like it, it was more powerful than I even expected. In fact, a lot more powerful. And in one of the videos I will reference, I think is a great example of that, of an interview with someone who was healed. Um, and so I, I was kind of blown away from the data. And so it just confirmed that to me that there is good evidence out there. Um, and that's kind of where I sit now. And so I want to keep building that case and being able to explain it well. Um, and I want to open the challenge for skeptics to give me counterexamples and, um, and that sort of thing. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, so um, I'll hand it over to you, Ryan. Cool. So I have, in order to not make, my goal here was to make it so I know the complaint is that technically I could object to anything. So I'm not going to object to anything. I'm going to object to very specific things. Okay. And I have them in, they'll become increasingly encompassing and damning. So the first criticism will be the, the least encompassing and the least Great. damning. So the first criticism is that there's already miracles today. There's already people who claim that somebody from some guy in India can perform miracles today, supposedly with eyewitnesses today. And it's just right. not very convincing to all the Christians who supposedly believe in miracles or all the Muslims who believe in miracles. So they already kind of know what it's like for me to be like, hmm, on that level. Wait, uh, what? Who knows what it's like? Say that again. Uh, anybody, like a Christian, would know what it's like to be skeptical towards the. Oh yes, because we're skeptical, skeptical about those of a, of a mystic. Yeah, you don't think that sure. there's mystics going around performing miracles today. So then, my second criticism would be that comparing the reason and the rationale of that, the miracles that people do mostly believe in are just the same amount of testimony plus oldness and stuff like that. And that doesn't really add any more credibility. So I think that the second criticism is that how old a claim is really doesn't add anything to it, is, especially if all the rest of the reasoning is something you can object to and on every other level already. Sure. My third criticism, which I get from reading a lot of the bigger atheists, is that Christianity thinks that it explains everything. And then we discover something that needs explained and then somehow it stretches and all of a sudden it can explain that too. And the way Christopher Hitchens calls it an infinitely expanding tautology that uh, we knew God created life. And then, oh, well, I guess DNA kind of explains a lot of how that works. But then we know that God is a genius enough to make DNA. And so it's just whatever it is, it's infinitely expanding to, to map onto whatever we're going to discover anyway. So that's in okay. interesting, at least. Um, 
Then the fourth one is that I can't tell the difference between being incredulous that there's going to be a natural explanation and that something is a miracle. So every time something is called a miracle, very often it's just because someone is saying, I can't personally believe that this was naturally a, a naturally occurring event. The only times that I know most of the time that's other than people saying I can't believe it is instead of incredulity, it's ignorance. So my fifth criticism would be that I can't tell the difference between a miracle and just being ignorant of the natural cause of right. an event. Um, my sixth one and second to last one is that miracles fly in the face of physics. We cannot do physics if we can assume that sometimes things don't happen that way for totally unmappable reasons whatsoever, but like by the whim of something elsewhere that we have no access to or something. So it renders physics pretty much useless. And that's the opposite of true, evidently. And then my seventh and the biggest one is that I think that it's reverse engineering your own assumption. And that's the, the opposite of the way science is supposed to work. So in my head, what's happening here is people are saying, maybe God exists. How could we demonstrate that God exists if he did? Well, if God exists, maybe he would perform miracles. Well, let's look around to find miracles. Here's some things that might be miracles. Therefore, maybe God exists. But that's the whole thing that you're trying to say to begin with. So you're like going out and looking for evidence that you decided was evidence for the thing that you think is maybe true. And there was anything like it. That doesn't actually mean that it's maybe true. The way that science is supposed to work is that we have the phenomena that needs explained. And when we go to explain it, we're, we are not going to propose anything that's a maybe. No, like God is, even if I give it a maybe, it's still just a maybe. And so when we, we want to explain something, what we want is to use known mechanisms that we already have. In things that are already indicated by our observations in nature. Because then we can use those to form a model that has predictions that we can see if it's actually right or not. And then there's no maybes or, or begging the question whatsoever, and you don't get confused and just end up cycling over maybe this, maybe that, maybe this. And then you'll always be able to find another maybe a miracle, it's therefore maybe God. But you can't do that if you're thinking more clearly when you're trying to get explanations for things like whatever the phenomena is based on specifically known mechanisms that we do know exist for sure. And so I think that's my most damning encompassing of all the miracle claims. Essentially the thing that I think I know I'll finish on what would it take me to believe in miracles is essentially if you could provide me with data that did not get torn down by these objections even if I replace the word miracle in all my objections with magic and the word God with wizard. Because essentially, I can't tell the difference between someone claiming that a wizard did something with magic and that's the explanation. I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm, I'm being serious. And that God did something with miracles. I honestly don't know what I'm supposed to believe is the difference between a wizard performing magic, if that's the explanation, and God performing miracles. That's the explanation. Okay. Those are my objections. Okay. Uh, great.
Um, good stuff. Um, you definitely came prepared, um, which I love. So I'm going to try, I wrote these down as you went and I'm just going to go from the beginning and not try to like fully rebut everything or something like that. Uh, I'll address it. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about it and we can figure out what maybe is the most interesting path to go down. But, um, okay. So the first thing you, you, you brought up is like, non-christian miracles and how christians already know how to be skeptical of these sort of claims and so is it not just um basically special pleading to accept your own religion's miracles is that close enough um and that the and the the religions that they're uh being skeptical of the miracle claims are happening today so like eyewitness okay. testimony of people who technically exist right now Right. So first of all, I basically exclusively um, looked at recent miracles, like ones happening today uh, or recent history, not ancient history. Obviously, that's a whole nother discussion, though related about Jesus's miracles and Mohammed's miracles and stuff like that. But sure. um, so, yes, to try to simplify what I was looking into, I really wanted to focus on the best supported current day miracles, preferably with people who are, you can interview now, that sort of thing. So, um, so that covers that. Um, as far as first to keep the argument as simple as possible, the first thing I kind of want to look at is are, is there this strange phenomena that goes way beyond what we know currently know to be physical limits? And this is where we get into definitions a little bit. Uh, currently know to be well beyond physical limits and that happens in context of religion. And so first you could say that ex almost exclusively happens in context of, a, of religion. Um, so first you could say all religion and just does it happen, period. And then um, because even that's interesting, if people are healed from terminal illnesses constantly, in any religion, but nowhere else, it's a pretty big deal. That means something is happening. Um, once again, we're not talking about what the the final cause is. That's still significant. Um, and like most people don't think that today, I would say. Um, so, but more specifically, if I were to challenge that, in my studies so far, I have not been able to come across 5% the amount or magnitude of miracle claims outside of Christianity compared to Christianity. In fact, I just did a cursory search of uh, Islam miracles. And like the first three things I found on Google were a Islamic response to Christian miracles, trying to debunk them. The second one was about Muhammad's miracles, which is from 600 AD. So that's the ancient thing in Tamal. And the third thing was about miracles causing Muslims to become Christians. And in fact, I've done this search multiple times in the past five or 10 years. And I found three different books about Muslims becoming Christians due to miracles that are all fantastic. And I've read them all. One is this a collection. It's actually a known phenomenon, maybe even in secular uh, sociologist of Muslims having dreams and visions of Jesus and becoming Christians. I mean, there are literally thousands of stories of this. Uh, a lot of them are like firsthand interviews in in the book I have. So, first thing, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, with with everything that you're saying, that's uh, I don't know about the magnitude of miracles or 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 
number of claims or whatever. Yes. But I would say that the biggest objection, like if you're going to try to convince someone who doesn't already believe in miracles of miracles, right. isn't to the second premise. You had two premises. You had, is there anything that happens physically, that's beyond the physical phenomena of the universe? And does it happen specifically in some kind of religious context? I yeah. think that most people are objecting to the first thing. If that's Not happening. Yeah. If why okay. is there if there's a reason to ever say that that has happened? Yeah, but I feel like your first your your first contention was sort of about non Christian miracles. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. I was just I was just specifying because uh, you okay. were defining miracles. Yes, gotcha. All right. So yeah, you're you're kind of moving the argument along. So we can come back to that. Um, but um, or let me see if that. Yeah, yeah, we'll touch on that in a second as we go through. So, um, yeah, I think that encompasses the first two miracles because I, I mean, the first two cont contention uh, objections because I think your second one was about old miracles, which I'm trying to kind of not discuss anyway. Uh, right. okay. And um, I, I'm just trying to focus it on. I'm like agreeing, conceding that. Yep. Let's talk. Yep. About I'm with you. And then um, the Hitchens tautology thing, I believe infinitely expanding. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I would say that epistemology is bad, 100%. What, what Hitchens is describing is bad. And so I just want to start from a different viewpoint of like, what is happening out in the world? And then what's the best explanation for it? And you can claim in the end that secretly behind the scenes, I'm using that Hitchens tautology, but I don't think I am. I'm trying very hard not to, essentially. So so I will agree with you that, I mean, I think what you're kind of describing is confirmation bias in the end of just this is, or you're having a big enough worldview that can uh, evolve and accept whatever comes into it. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I, I would say that you don't really make very many mistakes like that. I mean, there are some things where you do interject a subjective opinion sort of assertively about things like from a Christian perspective, but that yeah. doesn't, I don't think that you're saying it like it's un, like I'm not allowed to argue it. Okay. All right. So uh, I'm going to move on from, from that one since I, I agree with you that that epistemology is bad and I try to avoid it and let the reader decide, I guess, okay. let the decide. <laughs> um Finally, this, I think, is gets back to what you're talking about before, which is like the natural explanation versus a miracle versus someone being incredulous to it happening. And this goes with your next one, too, someone being ignorant to uh, us just not knowing um, what happens, um, what, yeah. what could be possible, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, those two specifically kind of go hand in hand. Yes. So... Um, so before we get to that, because I feel like we're going to talk more about that one, um, I wanted to touch on your, well, <laughs> I feel any of these, I think we could talk a long time on. So I'll, I'll stick with this one, the natural explanation kind of thing. Okay. So um, that, that objection you're bringing is exactly why I want to make sure in my own thinking, I'm taking it in as um, many slow stages as possible. And so the first stage is like, what are the credible claims and documentation that we have of what is happening out there? Okay, great. Here I don't think is. that's the first step though. So the, the, 
the first step to me would be, is there a reason to think based on the trajectory of our current way of explaining anything that there will ever be something that settles on whether you call it a miracle or magic, which we also haven't got to specifically how to distinguish between the two. How, how would it ever be settled that science is not going to come up with a natural answer for this? How could you ever make, how could you ever come to that conclusion fairly given that it's always been the opposite way? Okay. So I definitely want to respond to that, but but first, the, my reason for approaching it the way I suggested, which is like, what is the data out there first, is, is I still think it's interesting from a human perspective if crazy, miraculous, miraculous healings are happening around Christianity that don't happen practically anywhere else. That is still just crazy significant. And even if uh, you're a Christian materialist and you think, uh, that it's still a natural cause somehow, and God so ordered the universe so that the natural causes would only happen to Christians. Fine, that's still significant. That that's why I tend to be data driven in that standpoint. Um, and I guess I guess part of what I'm saying is like my epistemology is we all start with the data first, and then the ideas second. So what are the what's the data? Um, so, but but I want to come back to um, you said it's always been the other way. And I want to, it's always been like a natural cause. And I, I want to object to that in at least two ways, which is, first of all, I would say it hasn't always been that way, that we have simply, our methodology has ruled out of court anything that, or basically it holds in tension anything that can't be explained naturally. So, um, uh, a good example, I think, of this is the Shroud of Turin. Have you heard of the Shroud of Turin, Ryan? Um, no. It's the, I... Go ahead. It's the um, it's the supposed burial cloth of Jesus. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's really fascinating because it's considered the most studied artifact in human history, and um, there's it has this image on it of a face that arguably could be Jesus. And this all sounds super nutty until, well, first of all, it, uh, the prima facie evidence of it is pretty like, wow, this is very strange. But this is this is the part I want to focus on. Um, they still, even though it's the most studied artifact in human history, they still do not know how a medieval forger, as naturalists think, did it, how that medieval forger created the image. They still don't know. There is no good explanation. Um, and that's my number point, five though. What? Said so that's ignorance. But this is my point. It will always stay in that category for the rest of human history because of predefined metaphysics that naturalism can be the only explanation. It can never that's be assuming that, That's assuming the conclusion. There are- I'm not- so, what do you mean? I'm assuming that conclusion. Assuming that it would always stay in that category because we'll always stay ignorant of how it was. I'm just saying, no, no, I'm saying if we stay ignorant, like let's say it takes, uh, there's no, okay. there's no still, ever be I, considered a miracle ever. I think that I can think of a lot of things that we're definitely super ignorant about, but none of them warrant 
something that we came up with thousands of years ago. I think what they warrant is a new model we haven't come up with yet. So essentially, I guess what I'm saying here is science does not reject mysteries that it can't solve. It rejects magic as an explanation for those mysteries. And so there's a difference between saying that science has ruled out magic and saying that science has ruled out mystery. Science is happy to say that I don't know, but if science doesn't know the answer through the method, through the methods of science, then there is no better way to know the answer. And I would say that the challenge that I would use to demonstrate that is you're not going to find anything through the course of all human history that was once explained best by science and then eventually became best explained by religion. But you will always find things the other way around. I, I think that ultimately is begging the question because I think the rules of the game don't allow anything to be confirmed as it's I essentially read a quote. Actually, okay. this is I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to assume the pattern we observe as opposed yeah. to one that we imagine. Okay, but this, all right. Keener has a really good response section in his book about this. And he talks about that you say, and this goes to your final objection about physics, that physics can't be done. Um, oh, wait, actually, this might be different than that. But anyway, he talks about that it's not true in science that we don't use new ideas to explain new phenomenon that the a key part of moving science forward is to postulate these ideas that don't necessarily uh relate to anything we've seen before and that's the only way to get new data and so it's not true to say well we can only explain something in terms of what we've seen before because a lot of what we uh how science has progressed has been through creative uh, thinking and then finding the evidence to confirm that creative thinking. So I don't think that's true that uh, I'm both in agreement with you, but I think that that's a little bit of a twisted way of viewing things because although yes, essentially when, when Albert Einstein came up with the idea that space and time are the same functional thing. Yeah. Th that's super creative, but he wasn't pulling from anything else. What he did was he took things that we already knew and he took something else that we already knew and he connected it. Those are the kinds of new ideas that science always comes up with. We take electricity and we take magnetism and we make electromagnetism. And then we take electromagnetism and light and we make the electromagnetic spectrum and photons. And, and, and we, we keep getting more and more creative, but it's still only pulling from what we know and what experiments show. It's not, it's not really saying that any creative... Uh, thing goes really it's it's still everything's being pulled from previous math einstein borrowed from newton to create general relativity and so although science totally progresses and newton had no idea about the ideas of like space time or anything like that and that's why he got things wrong the creativity that einstein used is not based on his own creativity alone it's based on what he knew and then he just connected things in a new way which is different than proposing an entirely new set of paradigms to, that would explain how things happen in the universe. I think, um, I, I don't know when you move on to stuff like uh, quantum physics and indeterminacy, you can say that it's just putting together exactly what we had before. Now it's confirmed when you do the math and everything, but 
Um, I, I just don't know if it completely bears that out, but let me, let me read this quote really quick because I think it's really interesting. Um, because I think, I think talking about bias against miracles is absolutely key because if you don't, if there is no bias at all against accepting miracles, then, um, then it's hard. Then it's kind of like this question of like, well, why don't we just all know that there's miracles anyway? But, um, this, this is my favorite, uh, part, but, um, Okay, I'm, I'm going to read a few quotes just because I think this is an important part of the discussion, uh, but I'll, I'll go pretty uh, quick. Um, okay, so like uh, one doctor who recounts miracles that have occurred in his practice also notes that the prejudice against miracle reports is so strong that even doctors who have seen miracles are often reluctant to risk their reputation to verify them. To include, include mention of prayer in the notes, which go to referral doctors and can be used by malpractice lawyers, carries serious risks in some places. More generally, beyond theistic premises, and anthropologists have sometimes feared to publish anomalous experiences from their field work for fear of stigmatization. This is my favorite quote. This is my favorite quote. It's more related to what we're talking about. Um, Radical enlightenment scientists reacted against popular supernaturalist interpretations of meteorites by denying the existence of meteorites altogether. Uh, Poligny observes, during the 18th century, the French Academy of Science stubbornly denied the evidence for the fall of meteorites, which seemed massively obvious to everyone else. Their opposition to the superstitious beliefs, which a popular tradition attached to such heavenly intervention, blinded them to the facts in question. Because Paris set the intellectual trends of the day, museums in at least five other European countries discarded their meteorites. One need not attach theological significance to meteorites to note that a bias against that interpretation function as a prejudice that disregarded facts. Would such a bias necessarily disappear in cases where facts might more readily support a supernatural interpretation than they did in the case of meteorites? So in other words, um, healing. So I, I think it's important that like, I, I love the meteorite example because it just shows that like, nothing the heavens don't exist physically therefore nothing can come from them so these things that might come from them we have to discard i don't know what, what do you think about that quote um so all of those quotes i think and the general point that you're getting across it at least as far as i can tell is misrepresenting what is being rejected or what the bias is towards so i think that you're sort of sometimes you're saying things like people are biased towards anything that might seem mysterious and that we can't currently have an answer for and i think they're biased somewhat towards like the way people are going to respond and jump all over the opportunity on every time they don't know the answer that might be it but i think more science is bias is it like i said it's not against mystery it's against magic it's so the best way to say that is what if magic is real how would we ever know then my favorite way, my favorite response to this question is Aaron Ra's response to this question. Uh, he says, if magic was real, there would be someone like Obi-Wan who could demonstrate that, even if we couldn't explain it. He could demonstrate it on demand. Like Harry Potter could demonstrate it on demand. It, even if we couldn't explain it, explain, explaining it would be the hard part, not demonstrating it whenever we need to, to show that it's real. And so that's a big difference. I think that p science is not rejecting anything other than 
like modelless explanations. It, it requires that things function like not just with a picture, but when you hit the play button, then it actually functions the way the world does. And so I think that it's rejecting magic because magic doesn't come with a picture that actually explains anything. It just says, I don't know, some immaterial energy force words that I don't really understand accomplished something. And so that's why science rejects it because it doesn't have a model, I think, as opposed to because it's mysterious is my point. If it truly rejects it and you're committed to only science, then if Obi-Wan is standing there in front of you, you're saying you're required to reject what you're seeing with your own eyes, right? No, that, no, no, the opposite. I am required to say that this, this, whatever it is, is a real phenomenon in the universe. Yeah. The magic is obviously a real phenomenon in the universe. I don't currently have an explanation for it the same way I don't currently have an explanation for what happens to space time in the center of a black hole. Right. That that doesn't mean that I I think maybe anything goes. I think that there's probably some mechanical model of things that no one's come up with, just like everything else. And I, and if Obi Wan was standing right next to me doing all those things, that's exactly what I would think when he was doing that. He's obviously inherently right. I have to accept the world as is demonstrated. What was happening when you saw him? I would yeah. inherently assume that that the force was real, magic was real, and that yeah. I just don't understand how, and that someday there will be that model, and science will then accept the model of how magic works. And that will be no longer magic, because essentially there will be a natural explanation and a model for how it's functioning. Okay, how is that not fundamentalist to, to assume there will be that scientific explanation rather than the force exists? Okay, be- because I'm not starting there. I don't assume that as a presumption. I conclude that based on a pattern that continues to happen. So I, I start with, I really don't know how things are going to play out. Yeah. But science has a certain track record and certain religions have certain track records and everything. And when I put all that together, then I get a new starting assumption, which isn't I'm totally blank. It's science always explains things and everything that it hasn't explained is where religion has receded to. And that's an interesting pattern. So I'm so, going okay, to stick that, with a pattern. That All right, that that's we're back to the pattern. And that's, first of all, where I want to say that um, anything that might have actually been miraculous that has happened before will just remain unexplained. It will just never... It, so in other words, it seems like the pattern... It, it, to, to me, the pattern starts to seem almost circular because it's explaining this big stuff, but it will, I'm, I'm not trying to reinvent the big stuff. Like where does lightning come from? I'm talking about these unexplained things that, and they've always been unexplained. The shroud of Turin will, um, it, it can never be labeled uh, that magic happens. And secondly, I want to say, what if we look at that magic and say, okay, we'll explain it one day. But that magic is only happening in religious contexts and specifically Christian contexts. And during uh, when the person thinks they're talking to a deity uh, and they even think they hear words that say that this miracle is going to happen and then it happens. Like, are you going to keep saying, well, that religion isn't true and there's still a natural explanation at that point? I'm, I'm not going to assume anything, but what I would do Okay, so you're just not getting around the idea that once we don't know the answer to something or when we just can't believe that there's going to be an answer to something, that therefore it might be something else. 
that doesn't actually follow. The, the, essentially, it's not that I would never, like I said, I would admittedly, happily take on miracles or magic or whatever it was. I yeah. literally don't care what the phenomena is. I care that it's demonstrably part of the natural world and like a real phenomena. And miracles don't seem to be phenomena. They seem to be explanations for instances we can't explain or something like that, which is different than saying, here's a demonstrable phenomena that we can predict will happen under these circumstances. And it always does. So first of all, if you require it to be demonstrable in that way, then you're requiring it to be not real because uh, that's not true. I'm requiring it to be real, like, like no, under demonstrable and repeatable, then you're requiring it to be a system and a system isn't an agent. So you're that in a miracle. Yeah, it, well, that's not true because according, even according to the whole religion, like Christian religion, yeah. God has a very specific system of behavior and he never deviates from that system of behavior. And so you could still use everything that you allegedly know that's that's permanent or tantamount and you could use those things to predict other things like oh we don't know who he's going to heal but obviously he heals these kinds of people in these kinds of circumstances we go out look for those exact kind of people and like all right that person there is going to be healed because that's the kind of person that God goes for. The fact of the matter is we can't do that. We only I ever have, I it's can, only retrospective. Okay, well, first of all, since these are individual events, um, well, okay, uh, I, I simply think I have a, a peer-reviewed study showing exactly what you're talking about, where they saw a pattern of miraculous healings with Christianity, they took a team out there, they tested it for healing deafness and vision, and it's accepted into this Southern Medical Journal, I believe, and I have a link to it, so I'll send it to you. But um, this is the quote from it that I think is so uh, key. Um, let me find it. Where is it? Sorry. I have a bunch of notes thrown in here. Okay, so here it is. This is quoting from Dr. K Kathy Gunther Brown is a researcher. Um, and it says, whereas, and this is, she she went to Mozambique with, um, I think her name is K Kathy Baker, uh, is the ministry leader there that is known for healings. And so she went there. So this is like a pattern and going to test this pattern. And uh, this is what the findings show. And this was in a peer-reviewed, accepted article uh, in a secular journal. And it says, whereas improvements after hypnosis for healing and deafness, for um, hearing and eyesight, um, sorry, deafness and blindness. So whereas improvements after hypnosis have averaged two to two and a half times increase in the most optimistic studies and none in the others, the average visual acuity improvement measured for those receiving prayer through the earlier mentioned ministry in Mozambique was over tenfold. So right there, that, I mean, that is a dramatic difference between prayer and not. And it was predicted because they said this is happening among this group of people. They went out um, and, and found it. And there's a lot of these healing ministries where you could say, here's a pattern and the test, the credible testimony, uh, uh, testimony and evidence is there in Keener's book. Um, okay, so first I would say that that is, you're, 
you're doing the the infinitely expanding tautology right then with how uh so the first thing you did was say that you can't predict it you can't test it with science you can't use that sort of thing because science inherently rejects it and now you're using science to try to indicate it i'm saying i'm saying it's not a perfect system you can't pull a lever and make the person blind again also, and then do the same thing and make that person unblind again. You that's can't. Fair. That. But there's, there's also one other thing that with science is that sample size and is, is a significant thing. So you're saying that there is a case where these claims are made in a journal ever. Science is things that are the pattern always. And whenever and what I reject is the always you're dealing with an that's agent. That's what science is. Science is yeah, a not science. I'm not science saying science is, oh, I'm okay. Saying hold on. So science, science itself is tentative conclusions about the way things always are. The only thing that ever changes in science are the tentative conclusions about the way things always are. Because we have we we develop better and better models that explain more and more phenomena more encompassingly, but they all assume that it's always the same way all the time because otherwise you couldn't ever think like in order to assume that a miracle can happen what you essentially have to assume is that particles can do things other than what they naturally would have done or that everything just naturally was going to happen anyway that way in which case you are no longer talking about anything influencing the universe to make that happen so either particles are going to do what they were already going to do, and you gave up the idea of miracles, or you're saying that particles can do something other than what science says they should do, and that's saying that physics doesn't actually function. So this this is my problem with all that. Oh, first of all, you, I, I want to be clear that the phenomena I'm talking about is not a system, and can and you're right, can't be studied in the same scientific way that um we study uh how particles work no but it can still we can still do studies to see trends and stuff that doesn't we can see trends about what people choose about uh their political affiliations but that doesn't mean the agent right, else is a scientific system that you know I, I agree with that i just think that that's sort of playing into your own bias no matter what because we are pattern seeking animals so if you start with maybe something let's go look for evidence of it. Let's go look for studies for it. That's not the same as what science does. No, but that's science. not, okay, but that's not what I'm doing. I want to be very clear about that. Like I, there, I can't find anything even close to that sort of peer reviewed article, um, not only out in another religion, but even like hypnosis, like she cites, like I'm willing, like I'm for the skeptics listening, give it to me, give me the alternate, um, credible, peer-reviewed possible stuff like this. Like I, I, this, I'm describing what I see the data out there and where I'm barely touching on um, some of the other stuff. Like there's this incredible uh, video that I know you saw Ryan of this lady, Barbara, who had multiple sclerosis was um, on her deathbed, legally blind. Her hands and feet were like curled up. She heard an audible voice from God that said, get up and walk. She got up and walked, was fully healed, was not blind, and walked into her church service that night. And two of her doctors have written books uh, and included her story in it. And I actually bought one of the books just to confirm and read the, the section in there. And I saw the newspaper clipping about her. Um, so th these, uh, for the people listening, 
I've only been able to barely touch the surface of what's out there. And in fact, just so um, people know what's on the table, I want to read one other very quick quote, and then I'm going to come back to what we're talking about, Ryan. Um, so I like this just because it shows the, um, the magnitude of what's being claimed. So Keener says, uh, Craig Keener, the author of the book miracles, um, in the modern period. Um, and remember he's, he's a legit scholar. Like, I mean, very well-respected scholar, PhD from Duke said in the modern period, I have come across claims of perhaps 400 healings of blindness through prayer. The majority of them from sources that I trust, some of them eyewitnesses I personally interviewed or know personally, and these can be regarded as merely a representative sample. Certainly a vastly larger number of blind persons are not healed, but the healings of blindness nevertheless remain significant. Some of these healings have included medical documentation of organic problems, including, as noted earlier, scarring of the eye tissue, which disappeared during the healing. In some cases of healings from blindness, the eyewitness reporters have observed eyes white from cataracts immediately change as the cataracts have disappeared. Um, as noted earlier, cataracts can normally be removed medically only by surgery. So I, I'm just trying to put that on the table, like, uh, of what's being claimed here by a legit scholar. You can reject it. And before I give it back to you real quick, Ryan, the last thing I want to put on the table for you to discuss is I feel like I can make your entire case against miracles here against alien aliens visiting the earth. I could say, let's say there, someone is claiming that there's a lot of evidence that aliens have visited the earth. And let's say there really is to, to you and I, there would be a lot of evidence. We, we would consider a lot of evidence. Although we haven't seen an alien shape, you know, a world leader's hand, there's a lot of evidence. But I can make all, I feel like I can make all the same rebuttals you make against them. I could say, well, that denies physics because if an alien is moving an object, uh, is sucking up a cow, well, the particles are acting differently than uh, we know from mm -hmm. Earth. Always. No, that's, not, that's not accurate. So um, I'll, I'll respond to that and then I'll ask you a question. So first of all, uh, in a beam of that aliens would do, that would all be phenomena that particle physicists would be able to explain each electron. So the, so the objection is that in miracles, particles do things that they would not normally do down their trajectory or based on the other particles that they interact with. I, not, I guess. I guess what I'm saying, well, if the aliens are using a technology we don't know about and can't see it wouldn't matter because particles still function the same way. So, so in the future, we will have technology that we currently cannot even imagine because we haven't come up with it and therefore we haven't even developed it and all of those things. There will be better, cooler technology. It will, none of it's going to defy the laws of physics. It's all going to be working the same way that quarks and electrons allow the universe to function as. But I mean, what if God is using a substructure of physics we don't know about? Like, I, I guess what I'm saying is the thing that why aliens could interact in a way that we is so beyond our comprehension that it looks like magic, but we should still be open to evidence that that's happening. Um, and it's not necessarily repeatable. It's not necessarily this perfect pattern you can predict because once again, exactly. you're exactly that's what that's so. So it might not be a rigorous scientific thing of measuring temperature changes, but shouldn't we be able to conclude that aliens are visiting at some point with enough data? 
Right, but if we concluded that the technology that they were using was magic, that would be jumping the gun because we have lots of reason to think that in the future, science will explain what we currently think of as magic. And I'm not talking about that. I'm just simply, can't we conclude <laughs> that are visiting at some uh, point? Yeah, when there is direct reason to think so. Yeah, and that's all I'm saying about miracles is like I'm not I'm not saying okay, so miracles don't have footprints on a beach and then we get to infer that there's a person. There is not anything quite like that. But anyway, so I think that we can get more to the bottom of something if I ask you a question. Okay. Let's let's assume that science eventually in the next 20 years comes up with a theory of everything and some some prediction that actually proves it. And so we know that there's a multiverse, which is the source of the universe. And we have the physical laws that describe and govern every single thing that's going to happen within it. So there's no supernature. Okay. How would you how would you then explain all of the case studies that you are interested in and all the things without in that world, in that hypothetical world? How would you go back and explain everything? How would I go back and explain all the things I'm the phenomena? I'm talking. Yeah, that you're that you're currently using as evidence of miracles. If you knew there wasn't supernature in some hypothetical world, then what would you do in retrospect to correct for that? I mean, I would use the explanations that we did had at that point of what if the explanation is we still don't know. I mean, we still don't know. Okay, I mean, if somehow I knew, I mean, okay, this this comes down to the crux of the issue. You're right. If somehow I knew for certain. There was no supernatural force, then um, I, I would hold an intention because um, because I would be like I don't uh, yeah I would just say I don't I don't know at that point because I know for some independent reason that there absolutely is no supernatural realm. Okay, so essentially, minus the certainty, that's really what I think you're contending with because it seems like what you think is that people are rejecting notions and it's not really that they're rejecting notions it's that supernature has not been demonstrated to them as something that they uh, is a viable phenomena that they get to pull from as an explanation whereas to you it is a viable phenomena that you get to pull from for an explanation so science is not rejecting miracles or magic or anything like that it's it's rejecting that there is some other domain at play when there doesn't appear to be any other domain at play like I know that we, for, uh, let me give you, I mean, I know that this is super technical, but it's interesting. Oh, we did experiments on electrons that we were trying to see if it's possible that there are other dimensions that interact with electrons that we are unaware of. So like maybe there's other influences in the universe. And the prediction is if there is, then the magnetic sphere around the, the electron would have a dip in it because that's where the interaction would happen. Even if that's the best we could get and the, there's a super weak interaction, it's mm -hmm. got to be at least strong enough to have some effect. So when we test it, we get perfect spheres. And so that is evidence that there's nothing other than particles controlling what happens amongst each other. There's no other dimension of anything. Now, I'm not saying you think there's another dimension. I'm just saying okay. yeah, I, I, I've used this argument against someone who does think there's another dimension. Okay. And, and so the, the point being, we currently have good reason to think that the laws that we already have govern everything other than essentially made up things like singularities and dark matter, things that we don't know what they physically are yet. Everything else is not just understood, it's understood how well it's understood. 
So the chances of particles ever doing things that they just don't seem to do in any other way, it, it, I think the implications of miracles might be more catastrophic than you think it is because everything is webbed together in particle physics in a very particular way. And so that's what I mean by in because we can predict the evolution of the system given any one moment in time, that mm -hmm. implies that there's no miracles. It's the Einstein quote of the only miracle in all of nature is that there are no miracles in all of nature. And he's essentially saying that's like the, the most wonderful thing is that we can study everything and that somehow, mm -hmm. some way we can understand it. Yes, regularity of nature fits very well with a the theistic worldview, I would say. But uh, yes, I know I know where you're, you're saying. So that's essentially the the point here is that it's not just by the seat of our pants that we're believing in naturalism. It's that there are, it's all the indications we have for everything that we know the explanation for is natural. Everything that we have undisputable explanations for is natural. And it's always been that way and it's increasingly becoming that way. And that's not the same as a presumption that rules out supernature. That just says we don't have any reason to even assert that supernature is possible. We do have reason to think all these other things are possible. Let me, let me give you another example that's very related to this. Um, some okay. philosophers uh, have, and maybe, actually, maybe they're scientists. I think I read this, uh, an article about this on the website Nautilus, which is a great website. But um, it was positing that what if consciousness, oh, we pr might have talked about this. What if consciousness is the most fundamental part of the universe? Um, and consciousness, instead of being this feeling like this added on thing, what if it's like the fundamental fabric? And to me, it seems like scientists, they might feel a little uneasy about it, but they're like, oh, that's okay. That's a part of what we know. Um, if there's this revolution in our understanding that consciousness is fundamental, but as soon as you say, what if there's like a kind of supernatural realm that's fundamental? It's like, no, we can't go there. But consciousness is just see the difference. But it's a reversal. Consciousness is a reversal of everything we've seen before. That it's that it's fundamental when everything has been determined by particles so far. It's another reversal. That's, that's not true. Um, consciousness is a sticky subject because people define it differently. Yes. But if you're if we're just talking about awareness, then we're not talking about control. This is a really hard subject to talk about with, I'm sorry, I don't mean this insulting no in any way, but with a religious person, it's very hard to talk about the fact that your ego is a mind construct because most pe people conflate their ego and their soul and their personality and the ideas that they have all as one thing. But essentially, there's no reason to say that consciousness, which is your awareness, is in control of your system. And so because of that, it's not executing free will. It's experiencing the emergent will of the particles that you are. And so you've, you've never actually done anything but experience the result of the particles. This is a very, awareness is one of the things they can do, like wetness is one of the things they can do right. on a lower level. I, I don't know if what you're saying squares with these scientists and philosophers who are, who are positing this idea that consciousness is I think it's it's possible that consciousness is fundamental, but there's a lot of reasons to think that it isn't given like neurology and how when you damage the brain, you can damage very specific things that you're conscious of. I, I guess my point is like, it seems like 
except when you get into religious areas that that people can often scientists and philosophers can often be fine with these big reversals being potent at uh, a potential when it's like something like consciousness being fundamental, even though that not, that has not been true so far every time so far. And another example I still think is good is that I think you're just missing the distinguishing, but thing between religion and consciousness is that okay. consciousness is a known phenomena. It's a mystery. Science does not reject mysteries. It rejects magic. So we don't have a model of consciousness, which means we don't have an explanation for it. Yeah. And, and, that just means that there is something we don't know, just like anything else. Like if in the hypothetical world where we already know there's no supernature, if we already know for a fact that supernature is an incoherent idea, then we still have consciousness. And so it's not magic. And, and so the reason why scientists are quicker to accept consciousness than, than supernature or religion is because it's significantly more indicated. It's indicated to everyone where religion only seems to be indicated to the particular adherence to that religious faith at that particular time in the particular way that they are saying so, that it's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so part of it, I, I guess part of my response was simply that um, you were initially saying it's all been in this direction so far, then we're going to follow that pattern of the, the incredible shrinking God, you know, of what, what he explains kind of. And I guess my point would bring up the consciousness thing and uh, in, indeterminism coming at the end of determinism uh, is these big reversals have happened where it seemed like everything was explained a certain way. And then it was like, oh crap, we got to the most fundamental layer and it's very different than we expected. Even though you, you're you saying, okay, well at least we have a pattern in nature somehow to describe it, which I mean, I don't know if we have a pattern for the indeterminacy, that's kind of its own thing. And maybe that's, there's yeah. some mystery there. Yeah, we do. Uh, no, the evolution of particle systems. So quantum mechanics, all the mystery of quantum mechanics. So that you have point A, where particles are over here, and point B, where they're going to be over here. All of the mystery is in between. So if we take the math seriously, we can watch the system evolved perfectly according to what's going on. Yeah, but it's because of like the statistical probabilities cancel each other out on a large scale. Isn't that what you're talking about? Uh, Right. So essentially what I'm saying is indeterminacy and uncertainty in quantum mechanics doesn't actually mean that there's uncertainty in how things are going to play out. It's on a small scale. We don't really have an analogy for something being truly indeterminate. Where right. It's just that we only know what it's going to amount to. We know for sure what it's going yeah. to amount to, though. We well, just don't know what's going to amount to it. In science, we discover a new phenomenon that we don't really have an analogy for, which is true indeterminacy of like a single particle's spin direction or whatever. Correct. Yeah. So, okay. That's to me, that's an example right there. Um, but that's uh, not, it's not indeterminate. It's indeterminate to us and our ability to observe it because we have, it's based on. Yeah. So at, at point A and point B. So, well, it, I don't right, think yeah. like that truly indeterminate that, that we had before to use as an analogy. Well, there's not well there's not there's nothing it's not as indeterminate as in the way that you want it to be is essentially what i'm trying to say it's indeterminate essentially how you get from point a to point b but it's not indeterminate what it's possible it's just that there's an infinite amount of possibilities and seemingly all but one of them cancel each other out understanding how that works there's not no models that like i know of a model i was just watching uh, physics channel earlier tried to describe using 
one dimension of space and three dimensions of time and on one half of of like a multiverse and the other one having three dimensions of space and one of time then you can explain away things like entanglement you can explain away things like what's happening in the in-between moments there and indeterminate moments and it's not that it's indeterminate it's not that it's everywhere it's that there's this other bigger model to explain it doesn't mean that model's true at all but there's it's sure. not it's, it's not that it's purely everyone is accepted who knows it's that we accept that if we use a certain set of equations that don't tell us what happens in the middle we can still see what happens at the end anyway regardless of what happens in the middle and so that's why it's called indeterminate not because it's actually purely something we could never discover okay Maybe. yeah i mean i still just think it's a pretty good example of something that didn't have a true analogy before of something that two science seem truly indeterminate like the individual uh event and i mean famously einstein said god does not play dice and hated the ideas sure. of it because yeah. it went against the thinking I, I agree with that um the not, there being no analogy for it before is fine, but it's more like, why was the analogy of it drawn? It was drawn because a bunch of experiments happened and we were like, what? Why is it always that way no matter what? And so we came up with these theories to explain something that always is a certain way, not that for something that was ever a certain way. So to me, that's an artificially high bar to say that has to be a system that is always a certain way. Like, I mean, to me, if there is good hmm. evidence that there is sometimes indeterminacy, which is indeterminate itself, I guess, uh, then we should believe it. Even if it, you, you can't put it in a laboratory and it happens every single time, if there's good evidence that there's sometimes indeterminacy, we should believe it. Um, right, but we should only believe it under the paradigm in which it makes sense. So the only time uncertainty has ever been shown to be a factor is when you're trying to understand what a particle is doing before you observe it. That's essentially impossible because in order to observe, say you want to observe a, a particle over here, you have to shine particles on it and then get those particles back. And then you see what it is that you looked at. But because particles are so small and they're, the other particles you're using are so small, they actually affect each other. So the particle that you end up seeing isn't necessarily the one that you initially looked at in, in the same, with the same properties of the same in quantum mechanics that way. So things are indeterminate because of what we have access to. Mm -hmm. because, we, because in order to touch a particle, you have to touch it with another particle and then you, you started a reaction and then you can only get the data of that reaction. That does not mean that we think that maybe anything goes before that happens or that there will never be a scientist clever enough to find a way to reverse a test where you don't have to touch it. Maybe there will be a way to test things in the future that we're not currently clever enough to come up with. But I just want to point out that like essentially indeterminacy in science is accepted. It's just within a paradigm that's already been shown demonstrably and they don't just sit there and let it be that way they still try to come up with more and more models that still explain it away more and more successfully i should add okay well um since we probably should wrap it up i'm gonna let you have the last word on that topic uh, and plus um i'm not sure how many of our viewers are um quantum physics enthusiasts so they Fair might enough. have a little bit lost there but uh no i mean i appreciate getting into that some some of that stuff and i i think that's one of the most 
interesting like events in the history of science is how unexpected I feel like that, that seems to have been uh, all those well, discoveries. Yeah. But um, uh, to, to, I'm going to wrap up on my end real quick and then I'll, I'll give the floor to you. But um, to, to kind of, I wanted to revisit one thing you said and it's that, okay, we have this mysterious phenomena and let's posit an explanation, God, and that that's, and I agree that that is a bad way to do things because you could, you could also, you could also posit the flying spaghetti monster. Why not? You know? Um, so, um, that's not how epistemology, epistemologically I do it. Um, what I think there's at least two stages. One is what is the data out there? And I think this data exists. And I think this data, uh, clusters around Christianity and a crazy, amount uh in number and also magnitude um and so i think that's something even if i um this is one thing i wanted to say is like even if i became convinced christianity was not true for other reasons let's say we really we dug up jesus's grave uh bones and all and a diary entry from peter saying we made it all up is included in the casket um then i would still believe in some sort of supernatural agents and forces because of the data I feel like I've experienced. Like, I, I really mean that. That like, if I felt like, and this is even true when I was in my deepest doubt, I felt like um, the data I had still made it seem like there are these forces and agents from what I'd seen. So um, it's not, I just want to sh show that it's pretty fundamental to what I what I feel like I've seen in the world. Um, but ultimately to explain it in terms of like Christianity, I think it has to be to actually get to the God thing. I think it probably has to be part of a, a cumulative case that one piece of this case is, wow, there's this weird phenomenon that seems to only happen around Christianity during prayer. That's crazy. Now here are these other arguments for believing in Christianity as well. Okay. This is all starting to be a cohesive thing. Um, so, so that's very different than saying, hey, there's some weird phenomena over here. Hey, I wonder if there's a God. Like that, that is absolutely a leap and uh, a gratuitous leap. Um, so uh, yeah, I wanna make sure I, I explain how I'm coming at it from. So uh, take it away, Ryan. All right. Um, so based on what I got from you specifically, separate from all my personal arguments, is I think that the, the most obvious, maybe not the deepest, but the most obvious criticism that I would have is that some of the things you say are like studies on miracles. Whereas I'm, I'm, I, I would want to distinguish the difference between a phenomena and an explanation for a phenomena. There's no sure. such thing as a study on general relativity. There's no such thing as a study on quantum mechanics. Those are the explanations for what there are right. studies on. Like the study in Mozambique was about um, the phenomena, what, what is happening there in, in the presence of Christian prayer, but it's not trying to explain it. Right, right. Well, I guess what I'm saying is a lot of times you, a, a way for you to prevent yourself from doing any of the things that I did object to is to purposefully distinguish between a study on miracles and a study on a phenomena. And okay. So someone saying that something happened 
and someone saying that under a certain context, it seems like a miracle that something happened is indistinguishable. The second one is it's not actually scientifically relevant because you're not demonstrating that it's ever a factor at all. So essentially in an experiment, what you want to do is make sure that all the factors except one control factor are under, right. under the parameters. So if we already know that the phenomena is happening, don't read into it like maybe that's possibly a miracle. Not even like maybe it's possible. Like if, if, if the studies are saying studies on miracles, then it's already saying, it's already implying that the explanation could be miracles where in real science, that's not how it works. They I mean, that this study, I don't think said that. And like, I'm just using that as a shorthand because we are discussing miracles. So I'm saying- Sure, yeah. I, I just wanted to distinguish between a miracle being an explanation for something that happens in the real world and a miracle being something that happens in the real world. There, there can be lots of studies on people who use miracles as explanations, but that's not quite the same as them actually being proposed as an explanation or being taken seriously by a community of experts as a, an actual explanation for something, which is the phenomena. Sure. So the goal sure. here is always accept the phenomena, not the explanation. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the first stage of this discussion from my viewpoint is to talk about the phenomena. Like the New York times recently had a really interesting article on UFO sightings. I don't know if you happen to see that. Uh, it was really great, but um, the first stage is just, the phenomena of an unidentified flying object. And then you take all that in and then you can say, okay, what the heck is this aliens? You know? Right. I mean, everything else I'm, I pretty much, I don't disagree with much of what you say. And I think that I wish essentially all Christians thought about things as much as you did. So I don't have, <laughs> well, thank you. I don't have any, yeah, I don't have any issue with this conversation whatsoever, but I know that it, you take it super seriously. And a lot of, like the most pinnacle things in your life revolve around it. So it's probably harder for you to have this conversation being challenged than it is for me. Cause really, I mean, worst case scenario, I find out that there's a good reason to believe in something right. that I didn't already best case scenario. I get you to understand that there isn't. Right. So I don't have much to lose on my end. And I just have my own salvation and your salvation to worry about. <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot. That's important. Today, so. Yeah. Uh, no big deal. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, no, it's always great talking to you, Ryan. Um, I think we, for being someone that I randomly found online very early in posting my blog and stuff like that, we, we click very well and, um, I think are able to understand each, each other's arguments very well for the most part. Um, and, and mostly stay on the same page as far as what we're talking about, which mm -hmm. is, I definitely appreciate. Yeah. I appreciate uh, the evolution of your thinking. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I think I'll leave it there. Um, and viewers and listeners can probably expect, uh, Ryan to be on future episodes at some point when we, we have something we really want to, uh, discuss and, uh, Ryan, thanks so much for, um, taking the time to talk and I look forward to future discussions. Same. Take care. All right.